0: This is Energy Voice Out Loud, leading the global energy conversation. I'm Alsa Thomas, and welcome to our award-winning podcast. Hey! I know, I know, I know what you're thinking, and and we don't know how it happened either, but damn it, (laughs) we'll take it. no, we are of course delighted to have won the business-to-business Business podcast at the Publisher Podcast Awards. You have heard the elation of my colleagues already: Ed Reed, our Africa editor and digital journalist, Hamish Penman. Guys, won an award. Ed, you were down in was it London? The the being held.
1: I, I I did I did go along. It was uh, it was fantastic. It was a great show. Um, I you know it was it was quite strange because uh, we were the first. Uh, we were in the first category, and we won. So we won the first award. So I was uh, feeling quite panicky when I went up. Um, I don't think I embarrassed myself terribly, but uh, I mean, who's to say? It was it was all a bit of a blur. Oh
0: well, I mean, look, they, this is you've, you're, you're first up. You've won your awards. They're, they they can't judge you. You're looking down on them at that point. So yeah, you know, don't don't exactly. don't, don't feel self conscious about that. I'm the you, top dog. You set that marker down. Absolutely. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, well, no, we are we are very happy with that indeed. Time to get on with the business at hand. So, uh, and we'll start off this week with Hamish. Uh, we've now got more in-depth details of the multi-billion pound supply chain commitments being made for Scottwind.
2: Yeah, really big moment. Um, the results were huge, of course, but I think in many ways, um, the kind of publication of these supply statements almost trumped them. So it was, um, it was nice when they were dropped on our desk at quarter past one in the afternoon with a with no heads up. But, um, but I'm bitter about that, of course. <laughs> not that it ruined my Wednesday, but anyway. Yeah. But anyway.
1: I mean, there, there are worse times for, for, it, for it to be dropped on your desk. I mean, I think, you know, sort of... I know, keep you
0: of, it could be a Friday.
2: Yeah, like, end of the day. Yeah, I'll count my blessings. Maybe I should be thankful. Cheers, Crown Estate Scotland, thanks. Let's
0: put it. Let's put it this way. How about you just put it out under embargo next time, so we have got time to read it. Yeah. How about that? How about that, guys? Is, is that too much to ask? Hey, hey, hey. Anyway, yeah. On your go.
2: Yeah. Gosh. That's the big takeaway that we took from these these billions of pounds was that the results came <laughs> at a mildly irritating time. <laughs> um, so yeah, billions for Scotland uh, is the headline figure. And um, there's lots to borrow down into from there. Kind of roughly one and a half billion a scheme. Um, so on average, with 17 schemes, about 25 billion in total. Um, Although obviously there are big variations in that, which we will come to. Um, So the cash will be spent across the development, manufacturing and fabrication uh, and installation and operation of the wind farms. Um, And the statements were split into... Uh, kind of split geographically so we had the spending commitments for Scotland, the rest of the UK, Europe and the rest of the world Um, there are two parts to this as well so there are the spending commitments which from my understanding are the kind of absolute minimum that companies will splash in each region, Um, then there were the ambitions which covered what they hope to spend if it's possible so if all the ports are scaled up, if the tower manufacturing facilities are there that's what they'll that's what they're hoping to spend so there's kind of a a good indication there of 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 the size of the prize if these ports and the like can uh, can get up and running in time um so i won't run through who said what because everyone can see a a lovely breakdown online put together nicely and at very short notice by our design team so thanks to them for that (laughs) um the big spenders though are scottish power renewables and shell on their two projects um campion wind and marram Wind. Uh, It's a total of about 19 billion scottish power renewables have also got a project that they're going solo on uh, SSE renewables marabeni and cip they're forking out over 8 billion um bp and embw uh, over 7 billion it kind of goes down from there um so and we did do some sums on the total that each developer is spending in each region um uk and elsewhere um so just to kind of taking the uk as a whole combining scotland and the rest of the uk spend um and found that there are a few that are spending more abroad uh than in the uk based on their commitments the likes of bp total energies vat uh, and uh demi group in northland power and the consortiums that each of them sit in or if they're i think northland power are in it alone but they've all committed to investing larger sums in europe and the rest of the world than they are domestically um, which has ruffled a few feathers. It is important to note that it's based on commitments rather than ambitions. Um, but it did catch the eye of unions, particularly the GMB. Uh, understandably, if they've watched billions of pounds of offshore wind work go overseas in recent years. They've so it's only fair that they are rather incensed by it. Um, quite interesting quotes of saying, no one should have optimism that the next generation of offshore wind farms in Scottish waters will deliver where where those that haven't, those that have gone before have, have also not. So, um, and a kind of a scan of the successful Scotland bidders and their plans shows familiar intentional, uh, international players from the spaghetti, spaghetti bowl of renewables and marine construction firms. So I thought it was that an interesting and nicely worded quote. <laughs> um, but it is kind of, there are still billions being spent in the UK. I mean, look at BP, they're still f- splashing out Really large sums in the UK, even if it's not the majority. And there is a kind of school of thought is that actually, are they being more realistic? They're not putting their faith in facilities that haven't yet been built. Should we question those that are saying they'll do 100% of it in the UK? Because that seems, well, it's impossible at this stage. And it's perhaps unrealistic in the future in some regards, because if all of these projects start landing at the same time, then there's going to be serious constraints. Um, so there's every chance that they might not be able to do the hundred percent of the project. So I presume now it's just on to developers to start cracking on with these plans, and I mean, our attention to a certain degree kind of turns to uh, to Intog and the leasing round for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think that that's probably the right way to look at it, Hamish. Uh, the, the the thing I suppose we have to remember is. Not all of it can be done in Scotland and the wider UK. I don't think it can even be done in Scotland and the wider UK, all of it, even if we do ramp up everything uh, as as hoped. Um, but the aim should certainly be that the lion's share is in Scotland and domestically, because as you've rightly pointed to, we've had these horrible... Um, th- this this legacy situation of offshore wind's uh, abject failure to create jobs in Scotland, given the, the promises made around 2010 about the thousands of jobs we made. You wrote recently about... Uh, was it CS Winds um, items getting auctioned off Scotland's only offshore wind manufacturer or onshore wind? I don't know, but it was a bit a bit symbolic, I would say. Um, yeah, noted as well. Uh, Colin Palmer of of Crown Estate Scotland saying that you know these ch- these are amazing ambitions, but you know. Should not underestimate the challenges in delivering those um, and and getting the ports to work together to ramp up their capacity. Um, and you know, I think I think the fact that this is going to be a massive challenge to get that lion's share shouldn't be underestimated. Really hits the nail on the head. Uh, and I guess anything less than a a Scottish industrial success story from this is clearly it would be unacceptable because that would be twice in a row. Um, frankly, so yeah.
2: And that's, well, what, see, that's, that's what Michael Matheson said as well when he was speaking at Scottish Renewables Conference. He said to a room full of industry bigwigs, if you don't deliver these green jobs, then your industry will be deemed a failure by government, by, by the public. So really kind of put that... That's down his the, job
0: as well, though. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah.
2: total abdication of responsibility let's, from him. But Let's remember
1: that, yeah. But I mean, I suppose, I mean, just, I mean, I suppose, just looking at the sort of the, the sort of the government plan side of things. I mean, I think you know, with the with the you know, they they made it really clear with the ten point plan, didn't they? That part of the thing is 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 about an economic transformation, and I think you know, it's about how do we you know sort of get those jobs and 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 sort of revitalize the economy to kind of move forward. And I I think you know, you, you just you know, the sort of the, the the net zero with 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 no jobs, with no sort of economic returns, would be. I mean, it would be kind of a failure for for the, for the country, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, it would. I think, I think, I mean, I think we spoke about this maybe a week or two ago. The the Lamperell thing with uh, Cerulean Winds—it uh, was this ten billion pound floating wind development—and the deal signed for lamprell and UAE to to fabricate. Um, you know, and the the developer Cerulean Winds didn't didn't say it quite like this. They they said something along the lines of they're looking forward to helping build supply chain capacity in Scotland, which i took that as the suggestion being that right now the capacity isn't there domestically for that yet which i think maybe is what you're driving up there himish with um certain companies uh, looking overseas for uh, a big chunk of their work rather than here perhaps they're not banking on things that simply don't exist yet um and it, it, it is it is hard to see how right now and there are you know there's there's certainly uh, turbine factories being built i think in 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 uh north Northeast England, and uh, you know we have uh, capacity being ramped up in the Cromarty Firth as well for uh, the towers. But right now, hard to see how we can accommodate that without a massive ramp up. So yeah, I think as you say, Hamish, turning to see how that actually develop. It develops itself in the coming, uh, in the coming well, hopefully years, months, years. Yeah, I mean
2: it was quite interesting. I thought that Ocean Winds were one of the developers who said that they're going to do all of it in Scotland and the UK, but also were kind of at the centre of that story last month where they've sent all these contracts to to Lamprell for for fabrication for their Murray um, West farm, should it should it kind of get up and running. So hopefully they are kind of banking on now that, that, that it's going to be there. And I suppose for these projects that in the port of Cromarty Firth and the like in Ardysia, that are promising the hundreds of jobs, now that they've got this, commitment in writing hopefully that will give them the assurance they need to to press go on these projects and to start securing that investment that they, they'll they need to get these these yards up and running I, I suppose it kind of was already there in the fact that we knew that there was at least going to be a lot of money spent in scotland but now that we've got that headline figure of 25 billion then
0: that's a pretty good one to take to investors indeed indeed okay uh, we will leave uh, Scotland there for now and next up ed is going to be talking about his impressive pipeline steady
1: Energy Voice and Bracewell present NEO2, capitalizing on new energy opportunities in the Middle East. The energy transition will need to harness an array of new technologies with solar PV, hydrogen, and storage all playing a critical role. These three industries each have their own merits and challenges, but are certain to attract substantial capital and create significant opportunities for the global supply chain. In 2021, Energy Voice presented the first in our NEO series which focused on the US market. On Wednesday, the 18th of May 2022, in association with Bracewell, a leading law firm renowned worldwide for its unique depth and experience in energy, we are delighted to present a follow-up virtual event focused on new energy opportunities in the Middle East. The international energy industry has much to learn from the rapid development of these technologies in the region, and our heavyweight panel will explore how solar PV, hydrogen and storage are shaping the new energy mix, and how to capitalize on the opportunities this transition presents. For free registration, visit neo-2022.com
0: Okay, uh, I'm finished partaging all over the shop. Uh, Ed, what are Worley bragging about? Uh, yes, yeah, so it's it's quite an interesting project
1: uh, that feels incredibly far-fetched, but with all these things, you know, when you're like, that will never happen, it will, it, it, it seems impossible, but it, it, there's a sort of a, a, a real sort of fascination about these sort of grandiose projects. So Essentially, uh, Worley, the engineering company, has has been uh, commissioned to carry out a feed uh, study into a proposed offshore gas pipeline that would run from Nigeria right round to Morocco. Uh, So that's about uh, 7,000 kilometres, they say, um, which would be the uh we should be number 2 in terms of the longest pipelines in the world i think there's a there's a there's a pipeline in china that is uh, something like 8000 odd kilometers but obviously uh the uh the the, the 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 grandiose nature of of this this pipeline is not just in its length uh, the it, it would cross uh, I think thirteen countries. Um, there's a number of different, obviously, uh, you know, regions and regimes and uh, geographical zones and politics. And security risks that we would have to uh, to overcome to get around there. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's one of those things you're like, oh, how much would that be? A, a lot of money, I suspect. <laughs> you know, it'd be really, I mean, I mean, I I, I think with these things, they, they always come out and say, oh, yes, it would definitely be F- economical. But I, I wonder who would throw the billions of dollars required into building this uh, extraordinary pipeline. There are, I mean, there, there, there aren't a shortage of of, of, of uh, immense pipeline plans. Some years back, uh, Nigeria struck a struck an agreement to build a pipeline that would run essentially straight north through the Sahara Desert, uh, through uh, right up into Algeria. Uh, a similarly sort of uh, big pipeline. I think that was maybe sort of four thousand kilometers. I'm not quite sure. If I remember the numbers correctly, but again. You know, it was like, you know, the, Nigeria's got a lot of gas, uh, Algeria can export it, perfect. What could possibly go hmm. wrong? The things that can go wrong are the Sahara, obviously <laughs> a bit of a nightmare to cross, And also there's uh, an incredible amount of insurgency and uh, Islamist terrorists and uh, sort of geopolitics and... I mean, it's a total nightmare. But I mean, it's 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 a nightmare. But it's also an incredible dream. And for that, I salute them. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, yeah. I I've got to say, it is quite striking. Uh, I mean, yeah, thirteen countries. I guess that suggests that, unlike the other one you mentioned, they're going around and in in the, in the main avoiding the Sahara, which, as you say, sounds like quite a challenging place to build a pipeline. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm. I, uh, who's going to pay for it? I mean, it sounds like uh, Nigeria and Morocco are both well up for it politically, but is yeah, is the incentive there to for, for for those countries to put cash into that kind of cash?
1: Indeed, I mean, I think that's the thing. I mean, so so uh, I think you know, there's there, there is no chance that either country could really come up with the billions of dollars on their own to finance it, right? I mean, I think it's it's essentially unfeasible. And uh the obviously the you know, the transit countries, the, the countries that it goes through past round. Um I think you know, part of the idea might be that they could also, you know, maybe get some you know gas off it, you know, build some sort of spurs on, on to to the onshore. Uh but again, I mean, I think you know, these are countries that clearly don't have a lot of cash to, you know, to, to really, you know, back such uh, grandiose projects. And, I mean, I think, you know, kind of coming back to cost and, you know, sort of expansion and things like that, you know, obviously we're at a point where, you know, gas is, there's, there's a real premium on gas, right? I mean, I think, you know, we're seeing that around the world. And, and obviously part of the the idea of this sort of Nigeria to Morocco gas pipeline is that uh, Nigeria could essentially uh, provide gas into into Europe, into Spain. Probably there is a a, a pipeline going from Morocco into Spain that is, that is essentially uh, unused at the moment. So, you know, that's 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 sort of the idea. But it's got to be said, if you're in Nigeria, why not build another LNG plant? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they're in the process of building a seventh train at uh, Nigeria LNG. There's a couple of other LNG plants that kind of got discussed a few years ago, kind of came to nothing. Some of them are sort of being talked again, about again. So, I mean, I think, you know, given the, uh, you know, the, the there are obviously infrastructure challenges to, to building an LNG plant in Nigeria, but even so, it must be easier <laughs> than building the world's longest offshore gas pipeline.
0: Wild, absolutely wild, is what it <laughs> So, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, other things beyond the immediate and very glaring issues around cost and logistics. Um, uh, I mean, we know that Nigeria has this big issue. I'm not sure how to what extent it affects other ne- neighbouring countries as well, where people are... Unemployed people are siphoning off um, product from from pipelines, we had we had that horrible explosion um, a week or two ago. I mean, th- this would seem—I hate to say it—ripe r- for that kind of activity if they were to build something like this. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean, I think you know, uh, I mean, I suppose you know the thing about gas pipelines is that you probably can't really tap into a, a gas pipeline and, and and siphon the gas off in quite the same way that you can with oil. And obviously, that was a, you know, which does seem to be the, the kind of the continuing problem that N- Nigeria has. I mean, there are sort of security challenges, though. I mean, I think, you know, we have over the years seen uh, supply, supply problems going into uh, Nigeria LNG, which has been a fantastically successful project. But even so, they can't always, you know, get the sort of gas supplies that they require. And then also in the offshore, uh, you know, there is a piracy problem. Uh, so, you know, sort of actually kind of construction of a, of, of a pipeline, you know, would be challenging. Um, I mean, there is at the moment uh, a pipeline that goes from Nigeria sort of, you know, to to, around to sort of, you know, Cote d'Ivoire kind of Ghana. Uh, the West African gas pipeline, which... Um, did you know get damaged in something might have been some it's It's slightly murky it might have been some sort of security issue but essentially you know the pipeline got damaged and was out of, op- out, of out of operations for a while so there are certainly security issues around uh, around around you know nigeria and the niger delta um i mean i think you know we shouldn't forget that you know nigeria is moving into uh, elections so those are coming uh, in February next year, I believe, presidential elections. So there are going to be a host of other security issues, kind of in the in the, in the build up to that. And I mean, apart from anything else, uh, you know, Nigeria electrification rates are low, right? Sub-Saharan Africa lacks power, lacks electricity. How can Nigeria export, you know, real, you know, additional volumes of gas, substantial volumes of gas? When uh, there are people living in Nigeria without power, like I mean, I think you know, clearly, the sort of the politics of that of, of, of exporting gas are going to be quite difficult. I mean, obviously, you know, make more money, whatever. But I, I mean, I, 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 you know, I think yes, there are a number of issues, should we say, political security, logistics, money.
0: Yeah, yeah, the optics here don't sound great. Um, the more that we interrogate it, <laughs> uh, I'm, 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 I'm surprised about how uh, Worley putting out the. The, the the I mean, I guess if they've been awarded the contract, they're awarded the contract. But I'm just I'm just curious. I mean, it, it's it's going to be, it's
1: gonna it's gonna be a really interesting project to follow, uh, yeah. isn't it? I mean, I think you know, even though I suspect, you know, obviously I don't know. I'm just a journalist. I suspect that the pipeline would never get built. But I think it's a really interesting uh, exercise to kind of follow on with. And I, I suppose you know, like looking at you know Morocco and that whole kind of question around. You know, sort of supplies from Morocco, right? We, we've also seen, you know, there's been some some more news out recently about X-Lynx, that big uh, Morocco plan to um, export power from a sort of a solar, wind, battery mm. kind of combination in Morocco through some massive, great cables to into England, right, into the south of England with some sort of high voltage uh, cables. Which again, like it's a it's a it's an amazing project. It's a, like a fantastic idea. Possibly, dare I say, it, slightly overambitious. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Aim
0: high. That's what I say.
1: <laughs> well, exactly.
0: You know. Do, do, I mean, do, does I mean I, I, we've not actually interrogated this. I mean, does, does Morocco need this particularly? I'm assuming that well, one would assume they do. I mean, and there's I guess there is this element of potential European exports to Europe, but you know, I, I'm assuming that this idea was mooted long before the situation in Ukraine um, and the the current energy crisis really emerged in the way that it has.
1: Yeah, 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 indeed. I mean, so so uh, Morocco certainly – well, so if you remember last year, Morocco and Algeria fell out in a big way. Um, I mean, they've always been sort of uh, at, at loggerheads, but essentially uh, Algeria turned off the gas uh, through uh, Morocco that was going through Morocco, meeting some local demand and also going into Spain. So yes there is there is a sort of a demand for uh gas in Morocco. Morocco's talking about LNG imports, uh they're talking about sort of local gas production. They they've made kind of some quite good progress in terms of, you know, sort of new renewable capacity. But certainly I mean I think you know, you know, Morocco does need more supplies. I think in fact this week there was some discussion that uh that that, that Spain may start uh, essentially returning gas to Morocco through that that, that unused uh, pipeline so it's a sort of a slightly strange situation i guess if the pl- price is right why not um but yeah so morocco does need more 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 power uh it needs more sort of uh, more energy but um I, yes, I, 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 I want. I mean, I, I think you know there, there, there are some interesting opportunities for sort of Nigeria Morocco trade, and I think that's possibly really what this is about. Right? I think it's a kind of like a shove of 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 faith in in those sort of political ties, and you know there have been some discussions around Morocco perhaps investing in Nigeria in sort of fertilizer plants and things, which Nigeria certainly needs. So I think you know there is there is a, a, an interesting sort of relationship that's building there. Um, and i think you know there's uh, also a sort of a, an interesting kind of a competition between morocco and algeria you know obviously they hate each other nigeria seems to have signed up to supply both with these grandiose pipelines uh will both pipelines go ahead definitely not will one pipeline go ahead probably not <laughs> uh but you know there there there, there is a, there there's a lot
2: of um interesting maneuvering going okay, on okay okay we should have more segments where we talk about things that just don't happen <laughs> i'm gonna happen put that on the list but i mean this is the
1: thing i i would say you know uh my 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 uh track record for predictions is terrible (laughs) uh so i am more than happy to be proved wrong i would love to see this go ahead it would be fantastic and amazing I fear it will not, but, you know,
0: I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. Okay. Okay. Well, I think one way or the other, we can certainly expect more Ed Reed bylines on this particular topic uh, going forward. (laughs) Okay. So, well, thanks, Ed. Uh, And next up, I'll be discussing the internet phenomenon that was Dexter the cat last week. Energy Voice presents Invest ABZ. Join us as we lead the conversation on Aberdeen's future as Europe's energy hub. This hybrid event taking place online and at the Chester Hotel in Aberdeen on Thursday the 26th of May looks to answer the question, why Aberdeen? We'll showcase the innovative leaders and businesses that make investment in the city's future a compelling proposition, covering topics such as technology and R&D, talent and skills, growth sectors and opportunities, and the future of oil and gas in Aberdeen. Our expert panels will share their vision for the city's evolution in a net-zero world, and we'll celebrate the people, skills and technologies on our doorstep, exploring how that local expertise leads the way in the UK and globally. Whether you're part of Aberdeen's diverse business community, an investor considering greater involvement in this thriving market, or a representative of local or national governments, InvestABZ will provide essential insight into the region's potential. For free virtual or physical registration, visit investabz.com. Okay, so off the bat, it's a tough headline call for a story like this. We went with North Sea Tiger, but you know, Alcatraz would have also worked very nicely indeed. I think we might put that in the picture caption. But um, are, are, are you guys are you guys cat people or dog people? I think I'm more of a dog guy myself.
2: I'm
1: very much a cat person. I think I think cats are probably low maintenance. Yeah. Get a get a cat. Like it can
2: just do its own
0: thing. <laughs> Certainly, they're lower maintenance. Yes, from, from 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 what we're about to discuss. Hamish, what are you?
2: Yeah, I'm very much a cat person. I grew up with, grew up with cats. Have one of my own. Sadly, not with me in Aberdeen, but he's he's down in Essex and he's doing well. He's not he's he's not made any trips there. Trips to the North Sea recently so I'm glad about that oh
0: well no, he needs to step up his game um, yeah so uh, well both of you will be, will have been charmed by this story in that case uh, it, <laughs> it emerged that uh, a one-eyed black cat had managed to get on board a North Sea platform the Buzzard platform operated by c I don't know if anyone else reported that it was that platform actually but we had it anyway some really fantastic images and video of the crew trying to find things to accommodate him in and questions many many questions who is he? How did he get here? And I don't think anyone might have guessed the twists and turns to emerge in the intervening hours. Can following that, so it's a, it's a real
1: cat and mouse game. Oh,
0: <laughs> come on now, settle down, <laughs> settle down, Edwards. Oh, come on, we're just getting warmed oh up. Oh my gosh! Right here we go. Uh, So the crew of Buzzard called him Cyclops, others called him Jack, don't know why, uh, when they found him. And someone sent me the safety observation report that was filled out offshore, which was amazing. I'm just going to read it out. Deck crew ran away as frightened of cats, so mechanical technician wearing correct PPE removed (laughs) said item. Fantastic. (laughs) An admirable example of the North Sea's first-rate safety uh, uh, standards. So. What first emerged was that Cyclops, or Jack, was in fact One-Eyed Joe, a stray who had been frequenting HMP Grampian prison in Peterhead for the last five years, apparently being fed by people there. Inmates? Who knows? Uh, Getting some scraps. Uh, He went to other parts of Peterhead too, um, so maybe that's where he got his food, I don't know. The prevailing theory is that he managed to get into a cargo crate from the logistics firm ASCO at Peterhead Ports, which then took him, via ship obviously, to Buzzard. Uh, and I think that means he must have been hidden on there for at least a couple of days or a day or so. I'm not sure how long it takes, but that would be my estimate. So... Yeah, so the crew found him. The Scottish SPCA was informed. They got him his very own helicopter flight back home. <laughs> uh, and yes, there's pictures of that. Uh, I mean, I don't want to. Be, I don't want to be a grump. No, right, please. But in
1: terms of the carbon emissions know, uh, associating with airlifting <laughs> a cat off a uh, a platform in the North Sea, I bet you're great fun at parties, Ed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can you imagine us doing that story? Here's the carbon emissions of the cat that went to. We should actually do it. That'd be amazing. But still. Hang ahead yeah. in shame. <laughs> yeah. Dexter. Dex Dexter's just ruined CNOX um emissions targets for the next year. Yeah. <laughs> um where was I? Yes, so the he, he got his very own helicopter flight back home. I think it was with um Ah, they don't call themselves Babcock anymore. Um uh, offshore aviation UK or whatever it's called now. Anyway. SS uh, Scottish SPCA got him back. They scanned his broken microchip. And it turns out that he has another name and actually has an owner who reported him missing years ago. And he's Dexter the cat. And the owner, I think, was surprised, delighted, saying they never expected him back. So clearly, a bit of a wonderer, this cat. So yeah, that's the tale. And I don't quite know what to make of it. Yes, there's, there's an admissions question there. Could it happen again? Won't someone please think... Of the poor deck crew who were afraid of said cat. I mean, these are the things we need to contemplate in this podcast. We have had um, animal appearances in the North Sea before. Um, An owl, I think some years ago, a a massive owl, uh, got onto one of the platforms. I'm sure the... I dare say there's quite a few mice and rats and that some some of the platforms, um, and then yeah you, you'll you'll often find subsea footage of you know killer whales or sharks and things of that nature. It goes on, but yeah, an incredible story. Yeah, a, lot,
2: a lot of moving parts to it. Um, there are a few few questions on it. I mean, th- the fact that this cat had been living quite happily at at uh, the prison while its owner was presumably a matter of, matter of a few miles away. Did the prison not think to call the RSPCA to perhaps check the check the microchip? <laughs> is that is yeah, that, that was... is that harsh of them? Harsh of me to expect them to do that? Did they just think it was uh, it was homeless? But did 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 the owner not do a big campaign to try and find the cat? Does I mean, but a... if you'd lost the cat, you probably wouldn't go to the
1: prison to say, "Have you seen my cat?" I mean. You might yeah. canvass the neighbourhood, but
2: you might not go to the prison. I in the world of social media, though, you can whack up photos and and everything. And, you know, and the the way that these things catch fire, you would think it would eventually get to the prison. And there's not that many one-eyed cats around.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. It's, that was my first, yes. It, it's a one-eyed cat. <laughs> That's it's a pretty big distinctive question. There can't be that many in Peterhead. Um, but I think, I gather they became a little bit of a local celebrity over the years. Um, so perhaps... I don't want to infer anything that I shouldn't hear, but maybe it could the owners have just thought, oh, well, this is a nice thing for him. Or maybe they were totally oblivious. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it. it you, you, you would think after a time, people would be thinking, does this cat have an owner? Let's yeah. chat here. Perhaps they just thought it was literally going out the house to the prison, back to Asco, whatever else. And you know. perhaps they thought that it wasn't stray. What color is the cat? The black cat, yeah. Like a, is it is it is a black cat unlucky? A black cat crosses your path. Isn't just thinking that, about buzzard. Isn't that up for sale? Oh, oh, oh. it's cut, look. You you throw that at me at this time when we're just about to wrap this bad boy up. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, yeah, buzzard is um, buzzard is up for well, reportedly from Reuters and um, Bank of America had been um, involved in getting Cenoc's exit together for uh, the North Sea. However, it turns out um, being reported by. Um, uh well t- today in fact that CNOC or well they've told an investors presentation in this week denying plans to exit uh, the uk uh us and canada um so what's actually happening we don't know i suppose they might say that anyway um but uh yeah who who can say at this point so as as things stand officially Buzzard isn't up for sale right what's happening behind the scenes we don't know um but yeah, no, a buzzard, a black cat. Uh, there's all kinds of omens going on with this particular uh, <laughs> tail. But um, yeah, it's it's incredible.
1: Did he, he did he did have a tail, right? He wasn't missing a tail as well as an eye.
0: I I have to believe. Well, no, he, there's pictures. He is he's got his tail. He's got his tail. He's he's fine. That guy, that guy's got his tail. He's and very sweet. Keeping well, so he's
2: very cute. Indeed. It's nice. Yeah, it's very nice. When we woke up yeah. on Friday, kind of rather. <laughs> a bit bleary-eyed after the darts on, on, on Thursday it was exactly the type of tail that I needed wait um, but uh, but they a yeah, nice fuzzy I wanted a nice fuzzy warm heartening wholesome tail and that that, that so delivered on a, all fronts warmed the cockles yeah some rarity
0: for energy voice that's where yeah. sure um okay Okay, uh, we'll leave our uh, feline friend there, uh, and that shall be it for this latest episode of Energy Voice Out Loud. So, thank you to Ed and to Hamish for joining me. I've been Alissa Thomas, and thank you for listening.
2: Out Loud is the podcast from Energy Voice, leading the global energy conversation. Bookmark and subscribe to energyvoice.com